Though it's used in a variety of different ways, it's not hard to understand. Take means take, pure and simple. It's also a word that we see used in the Bible. Often it's accompanied with a challenge that involves action. We see the word and then it calls us to take a step. Join Valley Point Church as we look at four different uses of the word take in scripture. This week, Eric unpacks Mark chapter 14 in the Last Supper and talks about the word take in communion. We've just had some words read to us from Mark chapter 14 where we find Jesus using the word take and he says, take it for this is my body. Take, it's just a fascinating word and we've talked about how this gets used probably a lot more than what we actually think about. Take a left, take a break. Don't take it out on me. How about this one? Take out the papers and the trash. Bum, 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 ba -dum, ba -dum. Or you don't get no spending. Yeah, you've got it. See, this is a very versatile word, this word take. And we actually find it used in other words as well. Like intake, mistake, outtake, overtake, partake, retake, steak. Not the kind you eat, but the kind you... All right, some of you have to think about that one. How about sweepstake or undertake? And my favorite, takeaways. And I know that you guys love takeaways. We've been on a four-week journey of thinking about how this simple word take is used in Scripture. And it is used. God used it. Jesus spoke it. It's there. And so I want to do a little review and think about where we've been with this word take and how we actually find it in Scripture. In week one of the series, our big idea was take up your cross. And when we began to investigate that and talk about that, we found out that the idea of the word take there is all of me all of the time. And that's what I have to give to Jesus if I'm really going to follow after him and be his disciple. It involves sacrifice. It involves giving some things up. And I need to do that daily, all of me, all of the time. That's taking up my cross and following after Jesus. That's what it means. In week two of this series, our big idea was if you've taken refuge, then you need to help others take it too. And the idea there is that if you've trusted in the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers, if you've taken that, that is not something we're supposed to keep to ourselves. It's not something we're supposed to hide. It's designed to be given away. And so if we've taken refuge, then we need to give that away and help other people find that as well. Last week in this series, our big idea was intentionally choose to respond to God. Intentionally choose that. In other words, it shouldn't be a mistake or it shouldn't just happen. We need to intentionally choose that and intentionally chase that. And we looked at the life of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And God was using him to kind of lead his people out of slavery and into freedom. And in the process of that, God came to Moses and said, look, there's something I want you to take out of your life. 
And when you do that, you'll be able to fully respond to my greatness. But if you don't take it out, it's not going to happen. But Moses made the choice to take that out of his life, and he responded to the greatness of God, and God used him to do some incredible things. And God will do the same for us. And I hope that many of you this past week just had some great conversations with God about some of the things you might need to take out of your life so that you truly can respond to him and his greatness. Here's our big idea today, and that is remember and offer a huge thanks to God. Remember and offer a huge thanks to God. And we're going to come back to that thought and really unpack that, and that's going to make sense in a moment. Before we do that, I want to go back to one verse that was read to us in Mark chapter 14. I want you to listen to this. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. This is our final talk in this series called Take. And here's what I want to do. I want us to kind of unpack the meaning of this phrase that Jesus gave, take it, this is my body. Now, when some people think of that phrase and they act upon that, they throw out some different terms. And so I want to talk about this this morning and then kind of figure out what that means. Some call this whole process of remembering and giving a big thanks to God Communion. Others call it the Lord's Supper. Others call it Eucharist. So what's the deal? And what do these words even mean? And is it communion? Is it the Lord's Supper? Is it Eucharist? Or is it all of those things? Let's start with some questions. When you hear the word communion, or Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, What comes to your mind? What do you think of when you hear those phrases? And does it ever seem weird to you? Like, this is kind of a strange thing. It's a little bit different. It's kind of mysterious. Does it ever seem weird to you that people would actually engage in this? And what is the meaning of these words and these phrases? So let me respond to those questions. Number one, when you hear the word communion, the Lord's Supper, or the Eucharist, what comes to mind? Well, I think for a lot of people, what comes to mind is the great sacrifice of Jesus and how he came and he lived and he allowed his body to be brutally beaten and his blood to flow on our behalf. And we remember that act of sacrifice and we give thanks for that. That's what some people remember. That's what some people think of when they hear these words. But I think other people think of meaningless ritual or empty liturgy or it's just something that's always been done and so churches continue to do this and nobody really knows why. If that's you, if that's what you think of when you hear these words, I'm really glad that you're here today because we're going to try to make sense of something that is kind of challenging and a little difficult. Question number two, does this ever seem weird to you? 
Let's just be honest about this. It's kind of different. We're thinking about somebody's body that was beaten, and we're talking about blood that was shed on our behalf. It's just a little strange, and I don't even think any of us are vampires. So it's just kind of a unique thing that we're talking about this. And does this seem weird? It kind of does. And so what's really happening with all of this? And then question number three, what is the meaning of these different phrases and these different words that describe Jesus saying, take it for this is my body and take this for it is my blood? What does that actually mean? Well, I want to go back to our story in Mark chapter 14 and kind of walk through some different things there. So if you have a Bible with you or a smart device, you can turn there. You'll also find these words on the screen. Here's verse 17. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. And what happens shortly after this is that Jesus is betrayed by one of his followers and he's arrested and eventually killed. But before all of that, he gathers his closest followers together and he shares this meal with them. Verse 19, greatly distressed because Jesus had said, one of you is going to sell me out. One of you is going to betray me. And so they get a little tipped over by this and they're distressed and each one asked in turn, am I the one? Is it me? Am I the one who's going to betray Jesus? And they began to look at him and began to look at each other with great confusion and great stress saying, am I the individual, am I that guy who's going to actually sell out Jesus? They asked, am I the one? And he replied, it is the one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. Now as part of the custom in their culture, they would share common bowls at meals and it would have a gravy or a sauce in it and there they would dip their bread or their meat and they would pass that bowl around and that's just how they work that. And so Jesus is saying, we're sharing this common bowl here. This is what we do and I'm gonna dip something in this and I'm gonna give it to the one who will betray me. And there was just a lot of confusion in this moment. I think what's really fascinating about this and one of the things that has always confused me about this story is that the disciples themselves didn't have an idea of who would betray Jesus. Now we know according to scripture that the individual who actually sold Jesus out, his name was Judas. And you kind of get the picture when you imagine Judas in your mind that it would be obvious when Jesus said, hey, one of you guys is going to sell me out and you're going to betray me, that they would all kind of look down the line and say, Judas, you're the guy. I mean, you're the individual. Because we picture Judas in our mind as being the creepy, leathery guy with the bad teeth at the end of the bar. And that's Judas. And it's just obvious he's the one and he's got horns coming out of his head. And everybody would know Judas is the individual. He is the one. He's the slimy one in this group. He's the creepy one and he's going to betray. Certainly he will be the individual who will sell out Jesus. But that's not what's happening here in Mark chapter 14. There was great confusion and they were, instead of looking out at each other, they were actually looking on the inside saying, am I the one? Is it me? 
Jesus, am I that guy who will betray you? So Judas might not have been as creepy and as slimy as we imagine. And in the middle of all of this confusion and tension, Jesus does something next that has been practiced ever since that moment. He lifted up two different elements of the traditional Passover meal. And he said, I am going to start something new here. And he picked up a piece of bread and he picked up a cup and he lifted them into the air and said, these will be new symbols of what I have done for you. Passover meal was something that the Jewish people celebrated and it was their way of offering thanks to God for delivering them out of Egypt. And we talked about that last week and how God brought in Moses and Moses delivered the people and they came out and so they would celebrate a Passover meal and they would have several different elements as part of that as a way to give just a huge thanks to God. And so as part of this Passover celebration and as part of this meal that Jesus was sharing with his close followers, he lifted up a couple of different elements and said, these are new pictures of what I am about to do for you. And so Jesus picked up a piece of bread and he began to break that and he looked at those followers and said, take it. This is my body, which is about to be brutally broken and beaten for you. Take it. It's a picture of what's about to happen. And then Jesus lifted up a cup of wine and he said, this is now a new picture of what I'm about to do for you in shedding my blood so that you can enter into forever friendship with me. And he actually used these words, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. In other words, what is about to happen with my body and with my blood, it will pay the price for many individuals. And so Jesus started to do something new. He took that piece of bread and said, this is my body, and he lifted up that cup and said, this is my blood. These are pictures of what I'm about to do for you. These are symbols of my great sacrifice on your behalf. And I think in that moment when Jesus grabbed that piece of bread and he took that cup, that the disciples had no idea what Jesus was doing. They were still trying to figure out who's going to betray Jesus. Sometimes we always picture that scene as being very somber and very quiet and very stoic. I think it was a bit crazy as they were trying to figure out who is the one who is going to sell out Jesus. And in the middle of that tension and in the middle of that confusion, we have Jesus saying, this is a picture of my body and this is a picture of my blood which is about to be shed and broken for you. Here's the reality of that moment. Communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, and that's what Jesus was saying in that moment when he shared that meal and he grabbed that piece of bread and he grabbed the cup. He was saying communion, the Lord's Supper, and Eucharist, 
See, this meal was a moment of faith-forming, soul-shaping mystery. Not only then, but it's that way now where we have the opportunity to remember and give a huge thanks to God. Big idea. That's what it is. And we see that then, and we also see it now where we get this chance to actually remember So the names, what's going on with communion and the Lord's Supper and the Eucharist? Is it one or is it all of these things? Let's talk about these phrases. It's communion. And we call it that because it communicates Christ's saving work. When Jesus said, take it for this is my body, he was saying, this is now a picture of, of my body which will be broken for you. And though this does not become the body of Christ in us, it now communicates Christ's saving work through his broken body. When Jesus grabbed that cup and he lifted it up and said, this is my blood, he was saying this is a new picture. It's a new symbol of this great sacrifice that I'm going to perform on your part. And though this does not become the blood of Christ in us, it communicates Christ's saving work. And so we call it communion because this communicates what Christ has done for us. And by the way, there are no greater pictures, there are no greater symbols that explain who Jesus is and all that he's done for us than bread and the juice or the wine. And when we walk through this, when we partake, we are communicating not only to ourselves, but to everybody else. This is Christ's saving work on my behalf. And so we call it communion because it communicates something very important. But we also call it the Lord's Supper because he is our host. He's our host meaning that he is with us. I think sometimes we forget about that. And this should be more than three songs and a prayer and a talk. This is our chance to meet with the one who paid the ultimate price for our sins. See, I think sometimes we look at that and we say, all right, well, if that's what Christ has done, then what do I owe for that? I mean, how much can I give for that? And there's no amount of money that we can pay for eternal life. There's nothing that we can do to earn that. It's about simply trusting. And so this is the Lord's Supper. He is our host where we have the opportunity to thank the one who paid the ultimate price for our sin. This is our chance to hear from the one who loves each and every one of us deeply. This is our chance to remember our host here with us in this room. Just listen to these words from Matthew chapter 18. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So there, are there two or three people gathered here? The answer is yes. And so the result of that is that he is with us in our midst. And so we call this time the Lord's Supper because he is our host and he is here with us. See, this is so much more than just 
clocking time. This is so much more than just checking things off a religious list. It's time in the presence of God, our host, and he is not bound by anything. He is not bound by circumstances. He is not bound by time. He is not bound by buildings. He is not bound by icons. He is here as our host with us. And so we call it the Lord's Supper. Because he's here. He's meeting with us. He is in our midst. He is our host. We also call it Eucharist because we offer thanksgiving. And that's what that word Eucharist actually means. It means to give thanks. And we see this in verse 23. Jesus took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. Now, do you see that word thanks? comes from the Greek root word, Eucharistio. And it means to offer thanksgiving or to give thanks. And so when we come and when we remember, we give thanks to God for all that he has done for us. We actually, Eucharistio. And we offer this up because it is the only thing that we can say in gratitude to what Jesus has done on our behalf. We Eucharistio. For what? For the broken body of Christ who paid the price for us. We Eucharistio for his blood which was shed on our behalf so that we could have this friendship with him. And the body and the blood, it is for us and so we give thanks. And if I, th- I think if we would just allow that to simply grab our attention once in a while, there really is only one response to that. When we think about the blood and when we think about his body, there's only one response to this amazing sacrifice, and that is to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it seems inadequate but it's really the best that we have to offer. Have you ever benefited from the generosity of someone and you've got all of these words on the inside that you'd love to say and these things that you want to express and as you begin the process of trying to spit that out, it just doesn't make any sense at all and so you kind of put all of that away and you just say, thank you. And it seems inadequate. That's this. God paid the price for our sins. He did something for us that we never could have done on our own. He made it possible for us to enjoy a forever friendship with him. Without this gift, we're in trouble. With this gift, though, it is totally possible for us to be at peace with Jesus, and this is our chance to say thanks. And yes, it's inadequate. And yes, it doesn't always come out right. And yes, we don't always have the right delivery or even the right timing, but this is our opportunity with actions, not just words, but with our actions to remember and give a huge thanks to God. So when we come to this moment, we call it communion. Because as we walk through this, it communicates Christ's saving work 
on our behalf, something that we never could have done on our own. And it communicates that to everybody. We call the Lord's Supper because he is our host and he is here with us. He's in our midst. And we call it Eucharist because we, Eucharistio, we give thanks for something that we never could have pulled off on our own. There's just one takeaway today and it's gonna sound familiar. And that is remember and offer a huge thanks to God. Big idea. It's also our takeaway because this is what we need to offer to God. And we need to remember, this is good for us. This is healthy for us to remember and then offer this huge thanks to God. And so we're gonna do that now. We're gonna enter into a time of communion and the Lord's Supper and the Eucharist. And with that, we're going to communicate Christ's saving work and we're gonna recognize that he is here and he is our host and we're gonna Eucharistio. This is what he wants for us. As we prepare to do that, I wanna share a couple of things with you that I want you to know about how we do communion here at Valley Point. And that is we serve it at strategic times when we have the chance to really give proper attention to what's happening. So we don't serve communion every week because we want it to be something special and memorable and we want to give full time to teaching about it and remembering and offering thanks. And so today is one of those special days where we just want to give proper attention to communion, the Lord's Supper, and the Eucharist. The other thing I want to let you know is that we practice open communion here at Valley Point. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you've trusted in Jesus alone to save you, and if you've responded to his leadership and forgiveness, then you are invited and encouraged to participate. You don't have to be a member here. You don't even have to be a regular attender. If you've trusted in Christ, then this is for you to communicate Christ's saving work and to recognize that he is here with us and to offer this thanks. If you haven't taken that step yet, if you haven't trusted in Christ, or if you're just kind of uncomfortable with this or you're not sure what's really happening, then you don't have to participate. You can just remain where you're at. We want you to be comfortable and we want you to be ready for this and no one will judge you or look at you differently. That's perfectly fine. This is kind of a private time between us and God. If you have small children with you, I'd encourage you to just make sure that they understand everything that is happening and that they get this. We want everybody to get this and to understand what's happening with communion, the Lord's Supper, and the Eucharist. So here's how this is gonna work. I'm gonna give us a chance just to silently pray here in a moment. And there, you will have this opportunity to remember and offer that thanks to God and to make sure that your heart is pure and clean and that you're ready to respond to this. And then after that, I'll close that out with a time of prayer and our elders will be at these tables down in the front ready to serve you. You'll be dismissed by rows. You'll be able to walk down and take a small piece of bread and a small cup of juice. They ask that you take those back to your seats with you. There you can be seated again. And after everyone has been served, then I will stand up and we will partake together.
So this is our chance. This is our opportunity to remember, remember, and just give a huge thanks to God. Father, we are so thankful for some time on this Sunday morning to just remember you the way that you want us to. God, so many years ago, you shared this meal with your followers and you talked to them about your body, which was about to be beaten brutally for us. And you talked about your blood, which was about to be shed for us. And then you lifted up these traditional symbols of the Passover meal and said, these are new symbols that are to remind you of my sacrifice and I want you to take it, eat and drink and remember all that I have done for you. And so God, in this moment here, we simply want to remember and we want to reflect and give a huge thanks to you for doing something for us that we never, never, never could have done on our own. I encourage you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You just take some time here in the quietness of this moment to just prepare and make sure that your heart is ready Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.